August 16, 2023. If you recall, we were in the midst of a Beraita uh, and really breaking it down. Um, we'll pick up in a moment four lines into the wide line, so three words before the end of the line. But the Beraita, if you recall, was talking about the following. It, uh, it brought us very quickly to this concept known as berera, berera milashon borer, to choose, a retroactive choosing, if you will. And the Beraita, more specifically, was talking about a circumstance, a situation where there's two individuals who borrowed a single item. Uh, they borrowed the single item, and in turn, Yom Tov, Shabbat, arrives, and each of them has their own tehum considerations, right? Tehum in general means I'll be able to tr- travel and to go 2,000 amah outside of the dwelling area, the city, uh, but I can extend it in one direction and by so doing, uh, limit it in the other direction by leaving what's called an eruv tehumin. Um, and as a result, I've done so in one way, and you've done so, my partner, in another way. Now, the status in turn of the item, which has, as our Mishnah told us, the same status as me, is under question. How would we now treat the item? Because after all, I'm going to be uh, drinking from that wine, and you'll also be drinking from that wine. I'm going to be eating from that meat. You'll also be eating from that meat. But when the day of, when the holiday arrived, when it's the night, the eve of the holiday, and not the case per se that we were addressing earlier, the shirt, but rather the barrel of wine and the meat from the animal, it's entirely ours, not in the hands, is entering into the holiday of someone else, but we've now separated it on the holiday. Entering into the holiday, the animal, when it was alive, was really both of ours, and as a result, it should be limited. If I have a thousand in that direction because I set up three thousand in the other direction, it means you only have one thousand in that direction as well. And even though you had set up, again, the Eruf Tehumin, a thousand amot outside of the city in the other direction, you don't get that. You have to be bound by my restrictions, which would be a thousand in that direction. We talked a lot about this yesterday. Uh, the Gemara then, however, following that uh, Beraita, talked about this situation, said it's a mahloket about how to treat, how to deal with each of these situations. Take a look, let's really pick up from there, the last of the narrow lines. Itmar, shenaim shelakhu havitu behema beshutafut. Right, if there's a circumstance where an animal or a barrel was taken in partnership. Now the division, as we said very clearly, was not done prior to the holiday. That's done on the holiday. So really what you're debating is, should we go by the moments entering into the holiday until the division, or the moments entering into the holiday until the division, has the restrictions both of you and of me. If you're bound and can't walk in one direction, I should be as well, even though I have the ability in the other direction, you can't use that uh, for yourself, nor can I. Um, What do we do over here, however? Could we say that once there's the moment of division, retroactively, looking back in time at the entrance of the holiday, well, half of the wine that you're holding on to is yours, half of the wine that I'm holding on to is mine. As a result, I have the full capabilities that I have. I don't need to take you into consideration, and so too by the animal. Said the Gemara, it's a mahloket, Rav Amar Muteret, excuse me, Rav Amar Havit, Working backwards, that second opinion, Shemuel, is easy to understand. If he says both the Havit and the Behema are forbidden, his understanding quite clearly, again, forbidden doesn't mean you can't consume it. It means you can't move it 
freely, you have to take into the, uh, uh, consideration the other person's capabilities, locked right? In. You're locked in is the right way to say it. Um, so by saying that the Chavit and the Behemah are locked in, well, he's clearly saying en berera, right? That's what we discussed yesterday. He's clearly saying we don't have retroactive vision to say, well, this was really mine the whole time. What's that? Not according to Shmuel. Shmuel says chavit name asura. Name means also, which means the wine and certainly the animal. It's Rav's opinion, Eli, that's somewhat interesting. Rav distinguishes. He says the chavit, the wine, is permitted, not locked in. And alternatively, the animal is locked in, it's asura. Why would you distinguish? Ultimately speaking, if you maintain yesh berera, both should be unlocked. If en berera, again, retroactive vision and saying it was mine from the ent- entrance of the holiday, uh, so then they should both be prohibited. My kasavar rav, says the Gemara, I don't need to talk about Shemuel, that was easy. That's en berera, what about rav? I kasavar yesh berera, filu tishtare. If his opinion, if he maintains that there is be- berera, the animal and the wine should both be permitted with regards to the access or, or rather the, 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 comp- the, the amount that I can move it. Answers the Gemara. If you recall, we did this. Um, we got up to this yesterday. We can and should maintain that Rav's opinion was Yesh Berera. Yesh Berera, why are you restricting the animal? And an animal is different. Again, means to be nourished. Uh, the uh, limbs of the animal are nourished one from the other. In other words, says Rav, conceptualize, understand that entering into the holiday, this animal was still alive. You didn't just divide as you did with the wine. You slaughtered it and then divided. Entering into the holiday then, it's incapable of um, retroactive activity to that moment because each one of the limbs is dependent upon the other with regards to this animal staying alive. Therefore, once you slaughtered it, you brought it into a new zone. That new zone can't now say, well, if I took these limbs and you took those limbs. Have, splitting the limbs by definition means it's not in its initial state entering into the holiday. I can't superimpose, I guess it's the modern way to say, I can't superimpose what's taking place now to the entrance of the holiday. Of course you can. With the wine, just look at that barrel. Say, those particles of wine which are in my separate barrel are in there right there. Those are really mine from the onset. You can't do that with the animal, he suggests. The fact that the limbs are dependent one upon the other for life means you can't separate them. Even so... Oh, before Yom Tov, absolutely. If it's done before Yom Tov, whatever the agreement is. That was your question yesterday, Jeffrey. No. Entering into the holiday, if we already discussed and described, I have those and you have those, that's fine. That's no problem. Separated because the limbs are needed from each other and all that stuff. That's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not clear about that. The reason you can't do so is because you can't retroactively say, you can't back in time say that at the moment when it was alive, those were my limbs and those were your limbs because they're dependent one upon the other. But again, that's because they're separated and mine. 
because we're not in partnership any longer. I want to say that at the entrance of the holiday, we weren't in partnership. It looked like we were in partnership. His case is, we're in partnership, but we're ending that partnership before the holiday. I'm saying I'm going to use your limbs, you're going to use my limbs. But ultimately speaking, yours is yours and mine is mine. That's how I'd imagine it. Two of the Imoraim turned to Rav and asked him a question. Rav, we understand you have this fancy notion called yinika, that the limbs feed off of one another. We have a question which kind of touches a little bit along the lines of what we were addressing. They asked him the following, Le'isur mukseh lo hasheshu, le'isur tehumin hasheshu. We'll define those words in just a moment, but the final words of the Gemara are, are noteworthy. Shatik Rav. Rav was silent. Why was he silent? Before we understand the question, uh, why are people silent? What's that? I'm going to give me one second. I'm, I'll go backwards. I'm, not, I'm skipping it on purpose because the end of the Gemara is you know, the punchline before that. Why is he silent? So it, interestingly enough, it's never fully certain in Gemara world when one of the Emoraim is silent, whether they're dismissive in their silence or whether they are giving in in their silence. Are they saying, you got me? I don't have an answer. You must be right. Or alternatively, are they saying, it's not even worth my time to answer that question. Rosh in Siman Zayin cites a mahlokit between himself and Rif as to the punchline of the Gemara. It's very significant. I don't know how, many often, how often this sort of case will come up, but it means the punchline of the Gemara, Rav, whose opinion we're going to be following, we don't know what his opinion is. We don't know if he gave in or not, if he conceded or if he just dismissed. What does it mean when the Gemara did say that there was a question of Rav Kahana and Rav Aseter Rav about the difference they questioned him? Why do you have a problem when it comes to Tehumin, which is our issue, the locked-in status, but when it comes to Mukseh, we know what that word means. We've spent a lot of time on that. You don't have an issue. What does he mean by Mukseh? Let's start with Rashi in the second wide line. Rashi in the second wide line says, Le'isur Mukseh, Lo hasheshu, anan sahadeh, anan sahadeh is a halachic terminology which means we are witnesses. It doesn't mean we're actually testifying, it means everybody knows. It's a virtual testimony. De kolhad minayhu, that each one of them, meaning of these partners, akseh da'ateh mihelko shel havero. He has turned his mind from the portion of his friend. The aksedate, what word do you hear in that? Mukseh. So Rashi is suggesting that as we own this animal in partnership, I have turned my mind from your portion, and you in turn have turned your mind from my partnership. Pause for a second, appreciate that. That means to say, what's that? means to say, well, we are partners because. In a, financial, in a financial sense, we're still somewhat, we're partners because we haven't divided it yet. But I now, entering into the holiday, the suggestion is know that I will be dividing this on the holiday. Good. So at the moment entering into the holiday, I say to myself, the portions of this animal, says, suggests Rashi, that are mine as opposed to yours, I don't care about. If I, if I don't, but, but exactly your question is going to be the punchline. If I don't care about them, it means that your portion has been established for me as mukseh. 
If it's become mukse, there's a few sages over here, for me, and we're still partners because we still haven't divided, and it's true, I don't know which portions are yours, so until division, forget about tehomin, you shouldn't be able to handle this animal at all. Which is the question of the Gemara. Again, it's the question. But, but, but Charles, what I'm telling you is it's exactly the point. Exactly your, your point is once partially it is mukseh for one of them, it should in turn be mukseh for both of them. The same parts, but it's not the same parts. But, I mean, I'm saying this physical. Idea. But we're, hold, we're looking at an animal. I can't tell you right now because we haven't divided it yet. But you and I own this animal. I'm thinking to myself, the portion that's going to be Charles's, I don't care about. That's not on my mind. I'll let it be his. I'm not interested in it. It means for me, and by extension for you, that portion of the animal is considered mukseh. It should be, suggests Rashi. And the portion of the animal that's going to be yours, but you don't know it is yet, in your mind, okay, like... like Right, no, Charles is bothered, Charles is questioning. Right, so, so again, so the, the concept then, so then to say it sharply and clearly, what the Gemara then is questioning, according to Rashi, is we've been concerned, Rabbi Rav, happens to be his name, Rav, or his nickname, Rav, how come your question is only how far you can move the animal outside of the city? One second, why are you allowed to be moving this in the city at all? If it hasn't yet been divided, it means there's partial ownership in sort for each of the so people. The whole animal should be considered mukseh for both parties. That's the, que- that's the question of the Gemara for Rashi. Tosafot questions us because Tosafot. Wow, but, 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 that's a, but Tosafot questions in turn, and Tosafot on the, on the, on the, on the, on the top right hand side, Tosafot says, one second. We learned on Daf Yodalid in our Gemara that there's a circumstance, a situation where you can send your own food to another person on the holiday. We had a sugya surrounding that. We had Rishonim and Aharonim in which we discussed how are presents okay, how are they not. Not even fully, we got a few approaches to the matter, but ultimately speaking, nobody questioned over there, but it's my food that I'm sending to you. Shouldn't it be Muqsir? The idea being that my food could be considered okay to you. To consider this, to look at this and say, since my mind wasn't on it for you and you on me, whatever, that that's mukseh, that's not mukseh. Food of people isn't considered mukseh for the other people. Is that's that the question. Why is not mukseh? Because we question that exact, but, but, but Alan, the question of the Gemara right now is, Rav, how come you're saying the wine and animal are not mukseh, and your question, your issue is, well, the limbs are feeding one off the other. If the limbs are feeding one off the other, it means we've established this, as Charles has said, as one entity. If it's one entity, but somehow we have different mindsets on it entering into the holiday, so you told me you now have a problem in terms of moving it, I have a bigger problem. I have a problem called mukseh. How come, Rav, you're allowing within the city for this animal to be, to be moved? The wine is not ever our question, because the wine, there's no, there's no intermingling of the limbs. And as a result, we have no problem saying, yeah, half of it was mukseh for you and half was for me. In the animal, since they're, they're, they're nourishing one the other, you can't separate. Just to strengthen the question, I'm saying, can, is it 
possible for you to designate something in your house that you're going to use that's not going to be muktzah, but if somebody else didn't? Absolutely. So it could be you're walking around with something that is not muktzah for you, but it is muktzah for somebody else. But with the animal, it can't be so. I thought that's what you were asking specifically. That's right. In the wine, it could be. And the particles of the wine that are mine are not muktzah, particles are. On the animal, well, an altogether different situation. You told me you can't divide this animal. You told me the division is, is impossible conceptually because they're nourishing one off the other. In turn, it should be impossible for Muxer. If I have my own animal 100% of it, and I wanted to give you half of it, $3, that's, that's right. why Tosafot is questioning. Tosafot says that's 100% permitted. If it's 100% permitted, so then what type of question are you asking here in the Gemara? You don't have to kill it on the holiday. I've, I hear you, but it's entering into... It's not 100% your animal. No, I'm saying... No, you're saying the fact that it's the full animal, you plan to kill it, but maybe the fact that you don't have to kill it. Therefore? Therefore, that status doesn't... It, it becomes, on the holiday, able to cut it. In other words, the pre-division doesn't necessarily take effect because it's... You don't have to make that, that kill. But I had the mindset that I was going to. And therefore that'll change it? I don't know. Tosafot instead suggests that we're dealing with, even though the Gemara uses this word mukseh, a division of mukseh, a type of mukseh. What's that type of mukseh? It's called uh, nolad. If you're called nolad, talked about earlier on, really on Dafbet, come back to it several times, it's something that was unanticipated per se, or maybe it was anticipated, but it's something that... The whole name of Masech is Masech Beta, we're dealing... And in turn, says Tosafot, the animal, not vis-a-vis another person, but with regards to myself, it's an ad absurdum, is the philosophical term you would use, question on Rav. Rav, you're saying that limbs are so dependent one upon the other? Yeah, really? So what about my animal? It gets fatter, does it not? It eats, it gets a little fatter. Shouldn't all animals then be considered mukse, even for a single owner? In other words, if you're saying that these limbs make it so tightened one to the other to the extent that you can't see past that, with regards to tehomin, how come with regards to a single owner we don't say, well, they were so attached, so connected, connected one to the other, tethered one to the other, that it doesn't pose a mukse issue. That's the way Tosafot, a nolad issue really, Tosafot asked this question, if you look um, seven lines from the bottom of that Tosafot, the last word in line says, umefaresh, umefaresh Rabbeinu Shemuel, probably Rashbam, that's Rashi's grandson, le'isun mukse shehabbehema gedela, that the animal is getting bigger, umosifa shamnunit, shamen means, means fat, it's adding fatness, and you never said it was forbidden, to be nervous and suspicious about the fact that the limbs are all detached one, attached one to the other. Um, even though in general you maintain like Rabbi Yehuda that Mukse and Nolad are problematic. Okay, regardless, that's the question in the Gemara, and the Gemara then concludes Shatik Rav, and we don't know how to read that, but um, as we said, there's two approaches to that matter with regards to Rav's reaction, um, whether he was conceding or dismissing. And we're now back in the Gemara, six lines down, uh, three words onto the line, says the Gemara, we've been dealing with a narrow issue and a broader issue. The narrow issue was our issue of Tehomim. The broader issue was the issue of Berera, 
The question of the Gemara is, okay, let's leave the narrow issue now aside. Let's talk about the broader issue. Bidera. We're going to have a lot of circumstances, a lot of situations where this will be relevant. What's the halakha? Yesh Bidera or En Bidera? Questions the Gemara, Mai Have Allah. Literally translated as, what is there on it? Uh, what it really means is, what's the halakha? Yesh Bidera or En Bidera? Can you imagine? The Gemara will not tell us the halakha. It'll say it's a machloket on the halakha, and then it'll question how to break down those two opinions with regards to the machloket, because, as we're well aware, Gemara is far and distant from giving bottom-line answers. It seems almost as if it's not even interested in doing so. It's interested in continuing the development of what is the halakha. May have Allah, Rabbi Hosha'aya Amar Yesh Berera, Rabbi Yohanan Amar En Berera. The Gemara presents this as a machlok between Rabbis who lived in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yehoshaya and Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yehoshaya, in the initial rendition over here says, Yesh Berera, we would retroactively establish this as in your possession from the entrance of the holiday, and as a result, wine, which was of partners, would be permitted after the division. Rabbi Yohanan says, En Berera, says the Gemara, I have a question on each of those approaches. Visavar, well, we'll see in a moment, in each of them, whether you flip them or not. Visavar bi yesh berera. Is it really so that bi maintains that there is such a concept, halachically speaking, which goes into effect called berera? We the animal, the, yeah, but, but the animal won't matter because ultimately, if you have the logic of Rav, and Unless we just dismiss that logic. Unless Rav just gave in, then the animal as well. Yes, I, could, I should say that. So, Don't we have a Mishnah with, 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 which with? The commentary of Rabbi Hosha'aya will render us a place of in Berera. Again, Rabbi Hosha'aya seems to be suggesting Yesh Berera. We can conceptually go back in time and alter um, from what we're about to read and Rabbi Hosha'aya's commentary on this Mishnah, he'll be holding En Berera. This Mishnah we already cited on Dafvav of our Masechet. It's the concept of, if you recall, Sof Tum'ah Latzet. It's what we understood as Rashi said it twice over there and elsewhere. Some sort of long-standing tradition that the following is true according to Halakha. When there is lo aleinu, under one roof, a dead body. What I'm about to say is not halakha Moshe Misinah. It's in the Torah, at the beginning of Parashat Hukat. And other utensils under the same roof in the home of that dead body. Uh, all the utensils become tameh, they become contaminated, halachically speaking. What about, however, if there's a few openings to that home, a few windows, a few doors uh, to that home, to that room? What's the halacha if underneath, in the archway, in the space underneath the archway, there's a utensil? Technically speaking, it's already outside of the room. However, the fact that this body might be transported, will be, it won't be left in this room, might be transported through that door, or that door, or that door, or those windows, or those windows, all of them, anything that's residing and held underneath in that space is tameh as well. That's what's called soft tumah latzet. The fact that the tumah will or might go out of that place, it makes it tameh. What we're going to get into, the nitty-gritty over here will be, what about once I, well first and foremost, what about once I open one door? Subsequently, anything that goes under the other openings is not going to be tameh. I demonstrated by opening that door that it is going to be the exit door. What about if I have thought, whether at the beginning or the end we're going to debate, that I'm going to take this body through that door? 
Does that effectuate? And at what juncture? Does it only effectuate from now and onward? Right now I think I'm going to take that body through that door. Does it mean that if you now, Alan, bring your bike and put it underneath that window, now it's not time? What about retroactively? What about, let's state it very clearly without all the, all the details that we're about to see, the body here in the middle, la aleno. I have not thought anything, and Alan had his bike, and you had your shirt, and under all the other openings. And then, then I said, you know, something terrible. Okay, we're going to take it out of that door. No, either all open or all closed, right? No, let, let's assume the easiest way to conceptualize that they're all closed. I mean, they, they are all closed regardless. Question is whether they're locked or not. Let's assume they're all the same. And I have in mind at this moment without anything changing, I'm going to take it out of that door. Do we retroactively, that'll be our punchline over here, say that that door is the Tameh door, archway, and all the other ones are Tahor, or not? But you can guess already, Rabbi Hoshaya is going to be the rabbi who says, we won't retroactively do so. We're in turn going to have a question, it's going to contradict his statement. If he says, yesh berera, we should have retroactive activity over here. If not, we should not. That's what's going to take place. Doesn't the Mishnah teach the following? Hamet babayit. There's a, a corpse in a home. Velo pitahim harbe. And there are many uh, openings, windows and doors. All of them, anything that's residing under them and in that space is Tameh. If one of them is subsequently opened, Anything that comes under it now is contaminated and all the others are Tahor. This is what we articulated. We remember that. What if my mindset is we're going to use that door? Or through a window, which is wide enough, four by four cubits, to get a body out of. What's the halakha? The halakha is once I thought about exiting through that door with the body, it saves, so to speak, in terms of tuma, all the other openings. Retroactively or proactively. Bet Shammai says the thought needs to be prior to the passing of the body. Even after the passing of the body, I can have that mindset and in turn, I can save the other openings and only that opening will have the contamination, the Tumah. Here's the statement, and it was said about that statement of Betilel that even after the passing of the individual. I can think about going through that exit as opposed to others. What's the halakha with regards to says the only thing that gets changed when the body is in the middle, there's already items through all the other entrances and I say, but we're going to take the body through that door. It doesn't save what's been under those openings until now. We don't go back in time. It's not a transportation backwards. It's rather forward. Now, if someone brings something and puts it through one of the other doors, it's not Tameh. But anything that was there already is Tameh. Mikanu lahaba'in says the Gemara. Clearly, Rabbi Hoshaya is telling you we only think proactively through the future as opposed to in, uh, through the past. And it seems clear that Rabbi Hoshaya's opinion is in berera. Let me repeat it one more time. The statement of Rabbi Hoshaya goes as follows. If I have a mindset, Beit Hillel told us, whether before or after the passing of the body that I'm going to go through one of the doors, I didn't do an action, I have a mindset, says Beit Hillel, 
it saves all the other openings with regard to items that are left underneath them. Wait a second, items that are now left underneath them, once I had in mind, I designated, there's a sign on top of that door, the death door, la aleno, um, or even retroactively, even before I put that sign virtually on top of the door, items that were left under them. Says Rabbi Hoshaya, only mikanu lehaba. Why only mikanu lehaba? Clearly, Rabbi Hoshaya's opinion is we don't go lemafreya. We don't say yesh berera. And in turn, we have a contra- I thought he was trying to demonstrate. Um, in turn, says the Gemara, we have a contradiction. Does Rabbi Hoshaya maintain yesh berera or ein berera? The Gemara answers with one word, epuch. Epuch means flip it. We said Rabbi Yohanan maintains en berera. Rabbi Hoshaya says yesh berera. Flip that. Rabbi Hoshaya says en berera. Rabbi Yohanan says yesh berera. The next stage of the Gemara is going to be, wait a second, you flipped it. You thought you made everything better? Rabbi Yohanan, now according to your version, holds that yesh berera. We're going to prove that he holds en berera. That's the next line. It's in the Gemara. Baruch Hanunai Amen. Amen. Amen.